The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I'm right now, though. I want to return to our series on Michael Collins, part two uh, today, looking at his life and legacy ahead of the centenary of his death this coming Monday. Ronan McGreevy is an Irish Times journalist and he's author of the book Great Hatred, the Assassination of Field Marshal Sir Henry Wilson MP. Ronan, yesterday we were talking about his early years, his upbringing, his time in the UK and London working uh, for the uh, civil service. We take up the story again now. So he has returned to Ireland as you said yesterday, it was either late 1915 or early 1916. He's cosseted away with the Plunkets in Dublin. He had been talking about going on to Chicago to his brother, Patrick. Is that all off the cards at this point? No. Yeah, it's all off the cards. And, you know, you've got, uh, he's back in Ireland. He's working with the Plunkets. He's also working elsewhere as a, as, um, as a, as a, an accounts clerk. And, um, He's one of the uh, people, he actually does really end up in the GPO in 1916. Um, He's one of the first into the building, actually. And, um, you know, if you see the film uh, Michael Collins, it starts with him. uh, Who are the ringleaders of this farce? And, of course, Collins isn't one of them, and he wasn't. So one of the first things he did when he was in the GPO in 1916 is pour two barrels of porter down the uh, into the sink. He said that, you know, the 171898 rebellion had been undermined by people drinking and there was going to be no booze in the GPO. Um, what's interesting about his time in the GPO is, first of all, that people noticed that he was very, um, he, he, he kept a very good sense of humour throughout. He was uh, absolutely, he never slept. He never did anyway, but he never slept. <laughs> and it appears that um, he didn't fire a shot in the Easter Rising as he had an injured thumb at the time. So he was one of the officers who was down in the sort of basement looking at where they were stationed and all the rest of that. And um, he left the GPO w- uh, without having a, g- a gun on him, you know. And it's interesting that later when Carl Brewer made his notorious attack on Michael Collins during the treaty debates, Brewer posited the um, suggestion that Michael Collins, for all his fame and glory and all the rest, might never have fired a shot for Ireland. Um, so anyway, he was arre- so uh, at the end of it all, when when the when the rising is over, they're all all the the rebels are out of the out of the GPO. It's mm. in fire, and he's arrested afterwards, and he's paraded in the gardens of the Rotunda Hospital along with or the Rotunda Gardens, which is behind the Rotunda Hospital. And this is very interesting because. Um, at that stage, there was um, uh, there was a guy there called Lee Wilson, who was a British um, uh, a, a British officer who um, abused the prisoners and stripped uh, Tom Clark naked. And Collins made uh, a note of this incident, and uh, he um, he basically, when he heard in 1920 that Lee Wilson was a district inspector down in Wexford, he had him shot dead. So that in revenge for the. Uh, uh, for his treatment during the Easter Rising. But anyway, Mm. uh, he lost one of his best friends, Sean Hurley, in the Easter Rising. And Michael Collins was very, he was very disparaging of the military tactics that were used in the Easter Rising. He felt that, um, he felt that they were basically sitting ducks sitting in in the GPO and he vowed that they would never repeat those tactics again. And that's why you have, you know, the, 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 the tactics of the guerrilla warfare and, and being on the run and all the rest. So anyway, he's arrested but along with all the rest of them and he's sent to Frangoff in Wales, which is a prisoner camp, along with 2,200 uh, other um, uh, Irish prisoners. And there, I think, is where he starts 
when people um, start to notice that he's actually a leader of men, that he's 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 very well organised, he's very dynamic, he's very brave. I mean, at one stage he's he's um, he's put into solitary confinement for three weeks, which is a terrible thing for somebody who's so such a such a, a sociable person. So, nineteen seventeen, then you know you start with the rise of, of, of Sinn Féin as a political force in Ireland. Sinn Féin are, didn't, were not responsible for the Easter Rising, but were blamed for it, but they decided to roll with it. So um, he helps Count Plunkett get elected in the very famous election of the Snows in Roscommon in, in February 1917, which is a sort of electoral land, landslide against the Irish Home Rule Party. So you can already see that Ireland is changing from a country that wants a home rule to a country that's looking for separation from the UK. So uh, Kathleen Clark, who is the um, uh, the widow of Tom Clark, gets him a job uh, looking after the Irish National Aid and Volunteers Dependence Fund. Um, and this is a very important fund because he's he's giving money out to people who are, families might be in jail or people who are bereaved as a result of the Easter Rising. So he's 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 getting to know people very, it's, very it's well. The, it's the job a politician wants. Yes, it is, yeah. And he's very, very good with money. I mean, yeah. we know that from the start. So he also he's also involved in rebuilding the IRB uh, after the Easter Rising. It's a cell within the IRB that, that, that stages the Rising. And... So he's he's rising up the, the the ladder, so to speak. And you know, Thomas Ash dies on hunger strike in November. I, I think it was in the autumn of of nineteen seventeen. And he basically gives gives the oration at his graveside. He says they, uh, there's a volley over the the, the graves, and uh, he says this is this is the only speech which is proper to make about the grave of a dead Fenian. So he's already embarking, as far as he's concerned, on restarting the war. With 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 Britain in in, Feb- in March nineteen eighteen, basically he gets wind because he's already in charge of intelligence as well. He gets wind of this German plot, so the the British government is going to arrest all the leaders of Sinn Fein because they feel they're plotting with the Germans. Mm. It's a made up thing, but um, some of them, like De Valier, decide, well, okay, arrest me if you want, put me in jail. It'll be good propaganda for the movement, but. Collins decides to stay out. So while the likes of of Markovich and De Valera and so many of them are in jail, he's out continuing to build up the network. This is the great line in the yeah, movie where yeah, Dev looks down yeah. his nose and says, I disagree yes, about that's right, whether yeah. they should all like, go on their own that night. Yes, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. And so, um, and, and on the subject of of, of the uh, movie, I mean, I think it's in 1918 that he meets Ned Broy who's uh, a part of G Division of the Dublin Metropolitan Police and is an absolutely critical individual in helping Collins to build up his, his network. And and, and there are, I, I have mentioned three spies here that are really critical to Collins that he cultivates. One is Ned Broy, another is David Nelligan, who's known as a spy in the castle. He's very high up in Dublin Castle. He keeps Collins appraised of everything that's going on. And then there's a typist, Lily Murren, who knows the addresses of all 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 the chief British operators? And um, so, in nineteen eighteen, uh, at the end of the war, he's elected uh, as a TD. Um, and obviously, this is the great triumph of Sinn Féin in the general election of nineteen eighteen. They win seventy three of the hundred and five seats. I mean, Ireland is obviously taking a separatist turn now. You know, mm. so January nineteen nineteen, the first doll is formed, and Michael Collins is Oslaher. He's not there. Uh, and he's actually in Britain 
uh, planning to spring Emma de Valera from Lincoln Jail in February 1919, which he does. There's a funny passage in his new diaries, which has just been released, where Colin says, oh, I, I read in the newspapers that de Valera has been sprang from uh, Lincoln Jail. Of course, not admitting that he was the one who did the springing. So, and then, you know, in 1919, um, he becomes in the sort of, underground government he becomes the minister for finance and he starts the Dáil alone and there's great footage that you can see on YouTube of 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 Collins and you can see his personality the people are signing the loan on on I think the slab apparently that where, where Emmett Robert Emmett was was executed and you get the likes of Kathleen Clark and Margaret Pierce the mother of 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 Parik Pierce and they're all signing up for this loan so basically he's trying to raise a loan to 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 finance the, the, the this Irish government and he's very very good at it and then in April nineteen the same month uh, the famous incident again where you see in the Michael Collins movie Ned Broy lets Collins into the uh, G division headquarters at Great Brunswick Street for five hours and you know Collins gets the wherewithal and you know there's a famous passage scene in the movie where Collins is. He's absolutely amazed. What's been to the four? How <laughs> yes. much? How much the police know about him? You know. So this brings us up, I suppose, to uh, July. I'm not. There's there's differing there's differing accounts as to when he put the put the squad together. But mm. we'll just say the summer between sometime okay. between July and September 1919. So Michael Collins is appraised of how much. The British know about uh, about about Sinn Féin and, and and the Irish Volunteers, and he wants to destroy their intelligence networks. Right, so this is really important. He knows from his knowledge of Irish history that informers and spies and so on have undermined so many uh, rebellions. So he puts together what's known famously as a squad. So these are twelve young men, right? Yeah. So he he gathers them to a room together in September nineteen nineteen and said, "We may need you to go out and kill men." And if you don't like it, there's the door. And quite a lot of them left, obviously. But the ones that were left uh, formed the basis of the squad. So these are 12, as I said, young men, mostly in their early 20s, who were prepared to go out and and, and shoot dead uh, the enemies of, of, of Irish nationalism at the time, which they did uh, quite ruthlessly, as it turned out. And obviously, um, you know, uh, this, this, this culminates, I suppose, in, you know... The thing that he's best known for, which is Bloody Sunday, yes. uh, uh, November nineteen twenty. So uh, that's, that, that was a great success. It was. Like, a, it was a, from, a, from yeah. his point of view. From his point of view, it was. It was a, a perfect success. So, as we remember, I think it's thirteen British agents who were shot dead on on Bloody Sunday, and this is only coming weeks after. The British government says uh, Lloyd George declares that oh, we have murder by the throat. We'll, we'll defeat all these people. Mm. And the fact that Collins was able to go out and 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 kill these uh, men with impunity in their beds on bloody Sunday morning really sent shockwaves to the British. And you know when Lloyd George is appraised of it, you know he's already talking about peace and he's already talking about putting out peace feelers. And and one of his officials goes to him and says, we can't have, make peace with these people. And, and Lloyd George says, listen, just relax. They were beaten by a bunch of counter-jumpers is how he describes. They were, you know, they, they took a soldier's risk and it's too bad and all the rest of that. Yeah. So he's already, already he's he's because of of their intelligence operations, he's, he's striking the fear of God into anybody who's working for the British in Ireland at the time. So, um, and, and I think a quote here from Todd Andrews, 
um, who is is very instructive in that regard. For the first time in the history of separatism, we Irish had a better intelligence service than the British. That was Michael Collins' greatest achievement, and it is one for which every Irish man should honour his memory. And and to what degree was he well known during the War of Independence? He was the most famous or infamous man in Ireland. Um, one of the one of the interesting things as to why uh, he was never caught is because the, the the British didn't have a reliable photograph of him. He tried his best never ever to appear in photographs, and you know you couldn't you couldn't there wasn't any cell smartphones. In those. <laughs> yeah, you, just, yeah. you could just snap somebody walking down the street. So the British had a, he was quite brazen about his own security. I mean, he would famously cycle around. Uh, Dublin on a bicycle and there's there was £10,000 reward on his head at one stage but also he's becomes infamous and he's becoming this the Scarlet Pimpernel of the Irish Revolution okay. the British can't catch him and they don't know where he is etc etc and um, he becomes a sort of infamous figure in Britain and you know the people of Britain the, the media in Britain are on the one level describe him as this terrorist and this thug and the other side they're kind of building up this myth of him as this 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 figure who can't be caught. Yeah. So he's he is he's very famous at the time in Ireland, and he he kind of laughed it off a bit, you know. And um, you know he he didn't take himself too seriously. He took his work seriously, but he didn't take himself seriously. We're kind of getting close to uh, to when things get a little more controversial, I suppose, from from the point of view of his memory and legacy, and it's the treaty. Yeah. Well, before that, if we if we go back to 1921 then, so at the end of, of 1920, there's peace feelers, right? Yeah. Uh, through Archbishop uh, Clune, who is the uh, Catholic Archbishop of, of Cork. He's um, trying to broker a, a, a peace. Uh, I think I think at this stage, Lloyd George thinks that Ireland's more trouble than it's worth. He's getting intelligence, basically. You're not going to break these people. You're going to have to sit down and talk to them. But Lloyd George insists on IRA disarmament and um, the peace talks go nowhere. Meanwhile, the IRA is continuing to escalate the the fight against the British in 1921. Um, and then in May 1921, you have the uh, famous um, attack on the Customs House but that turns out to be a bit of a disaster. It's a good propaganda coup. But eighty or ninety of the um, uh, of the best men in the Dublin Brigade are are captured. Now, so things are starting to look really hairy uh, mm. towards the summer of nineteen twenty one. There are three thousand men in jail. Um, the IRA are screaming for bullets and and weapons, and and Collins can't supply them. And I think what concentrated his mind really was that. Uh, there was supposed to have been a cache of, of several hundred uh, Thompson machine guns that were going to uh, be smuggled from the United States into Ireland. And he was also looking for guns in Italy. I mean, these might have made, tipped the balance back in favour of the IRA. But by the time the truce comes around in July 1921, you know, He's he's really worried that the IRA will not be able to continue on the fight. Okay. They're also getting closer to him personally. So I think the, the truce comes at a good time for the IRA and, and, and so so then we have I guess the negotiations that lead up to the treaty uh, uh, and uh, on that note we will uh, hit the pause button and Ronan is going to come back tomorrow and we will talk about the treaty and everything that came after uh, and plenty more uh, to come between 
uh, that point and, and Collins's uh, demise, uh, which is, of course, being marked up and down the country by uh, different celebrations and commemorations uh, all this week and over the next uh, couple of weeks, 100 years since his passing. Ronan McGreevy, Irish Times journalist, author of the book Great Hatred, The Assassination of Field Marshal Sir Henry Wilson MP. We will talk to you uh, tomorrow at six o'clock. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.